You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Joining me today are my guys, my NBA trio, my trifecta, my NBA outsiders. The big three is back, and we're back with a lot of action to talk about Kawhi Leonard, Paul George to the Clippers. Whole lot of moving parts in the NBA. Whole lot of excitement on the horizon. John Lucas Duffy with me again. What's up, dog? What up, what up, Pete? And Frank Villani back with an improved microphone? How we doing? You know, the quality's got to improve at some point, you know? It's baby steps. You know, we're getting there. We'll talk about it once the show starts. But, Frank, I'm proud. We're making steps in the right direction, like uh, some teams in the NBA may be doing. We'll talk about it. But anyway, Sports Blog New York Podcast on iTunes Out Podcast app, Google Play, and now on Spotify. And also, don't forget, our friends over at Team Left Jab Radio Network. They are looking for some more sports content, some New York sports content. Sports Blog New York Podcast, great place for that. So check out the Team Left Jab Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, everywhere you listen to podcasts. But without further ado, we got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George going to the Clippers for all the picks that ever existed in the Clippers franchise going to the Thunder. Whole lot of stuff, whole lot of Russell Westbrook talk, some great Knicks talk at the end as well. So stay tuned for a great show with me, Pete Kennedy, my guy, John Lucas Duffy, and the crowd favorite, except for his microphone, Frank Villani. This is Sports Blog New York Podcast. Stay tuned. New York podcast, Pete Kennedy, John Lucas Duffy, and Frank Villani here to talk NBA free agency because it is wild. Duff and I were here last week talking all sorts of stuff with all the crazy signings we had Sunday night, but there was that one piece, that one chip that turned into two chips that we were waiting for all week on the 4th of Kauai, and now, late Saturday night, we got the news. Oh, what the hell is that? <laughs> That is fireworks still going off for the 4th of Kauai, dog. <laughs> Was it really? Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's very fitting. Uh, well, anyways, there's Frank. Duffy's here as well. Uh, we'll keep it rolling on that. Why not? Uh, Paul George, none of us saw it coming, but Woj dropped a bomb. It may or may have not caused an earthquake on the West Coast. Hopefully everyone's okay from that. But we had a legitimate Woj bomb. Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers and a long with Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers, was Paul freaking George for all the picks in the world sent to Oklahoma City. PG and Russ is over. Russ's future is unknown. It's questionable. But for now, we have another super team in Los Angeles. That's Kawhi and PG and the Clippers. That's Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the Lakers. It's wild. Woj freaking did it to us Saturday night. He dropped the bomb on us, and we saw it, and it blew up the Twitter world. It blew up the NBA world, and it may have shaken it up. Just enough to see one of the more interesting years in the NBA than we have in a long, long time. So we're here to talk about all of it. But first, John Lucas Duffy, what's up? And also, uh, I think it's time. Me and Duff have actually talked about it on the pod before without Frank. Uh, and then, um, basically that tells me that Frank doesn't listen to this podcast because he would have brought it up because we were we were talking shit on him. But Duff, oh, shit. Read, read the review on the Sports Blog New York podcast on iTunes Apple Podcast app. Read the review to our guy, Frank. All right, so this this is from my brother. So, Frank, if you have any issues with this, you can take it up with him. Uh, Only giving you guys five stars because my brother is one of the podcasters. If he wasn't, Frank's mic would single-handedly result in one star. 
willing to start a GoFundMe for the for Frank. His mic is a disgrace to the podcasting world. I literally skip all his takes because I refuse to subject my ears to such blasphemy. Even so, thoroughly enjoy the podcast and banter. Pete, make sure J. Lou and Frank don't welch on the bet, the Rockets bet. Uh, I can get access to J. Lou's funds if needed. So we both got called out on that one, Frank. <laughs> yes. I mean, honestly, he kind of sounded like a supporter. He wanted to fund me, so I fight him. <laughs> Yeah, spin zone. He wants to give you money. Yeah, there actually, go, so. you know what, Duff? Hit up your brother and let's get that GoFundMe going. No, even on top of that, let him know right now. How how am I sounding now, bro? Hey, how am I sounding now? Bro? I'll just say this. You know, we haven't listened to the finished product yet, but Frank made some tweaks, and the initial results seem very positive. Frank, you sound you sound like you're in 2019 now, man. You really do. I'm proud of you. It's crispy. It's the crispiness, baby. <laughs> it was brutal. There were certain times, you know. It, it kind of depended. Like right now, we have fireworks in your neighborhood. And, you know, we'll, we'll roll with those punches. We'll roll with those blows. That's fine. We get it. It's fourth of Kawhi. You can't help it. Everyone's putting fireworks out for Kawhi Leonard. Um, but you do sound like a real man now. I'm happy for you. Yeah, man. I got to be honest. Uh, that little feedback we did pre-show definitely uh, opened my eyes. So. Or your ears, I guess you should say. Yeah, uh, that's the point. <laughs> and, and also, um, don't welch on that Rockets bet because I won it. So, league pass, here we come. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> don't forget, if you guys like the podcast, hit us up on iTunes Out Podcast app. Drop in that review. Drop in some stars. We love nothing more than hearing from people. And I know um, Duff and Frank, I've talked to them about it. I went live on Periscope last week. Uh, two days after me and Duff did our free agency pod, I went live and I talked about the Knicks, all their signings. I talked about D'Angelo Russell trade live on Twitter, and the response was fantastic. So if you uh, showed up for that and you dropped in some questions in the comments and said you appreciate it, liked it on Periscope, all that stuff, that is awesome. The uh, The reviews for that was really fun. I had a great time doing it. So more live stuff on Twitter hopefully soon uh, in the coming weeks because I had a blast and I can't wait to get Duff and Frank in on the Twitter live with me there because we're going to have fun with that. And the reactions from all you guys really made it worthwhile, and it was a blast. So hopefully you enjoyed it too. Simple as that. But without further ado, I think it's time to talk hoops, guys. John Lucas, Duffy, Frank Villani, I'm Pete Kennedy. Uh, Kawhi freaking Leonard. Let me just say this to, to start us off here. You know, we all wanted to know what he was going to do. We all tried to have our opinions on where he where he should go, where we wanted to him to go, where we thought he may want to go. All these things turned out to not really matter because Kawhi Leonard, little did we know, was actually pulling strings on his own, controlling his own destiny more than any of us could have ever imagined, basically working with the Clippers and the teams like the Raptors who he had interest in re-signing with or signing with to get another star to play with him. And it wasn't LeBron James. It wasn't to go to the Lakers to join that squad. It was to start his own squad with Paul George. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two perennial Defensive Player of the Year candidates, are now on the same squad. Duff, walk me through your initial reaction to this and uh, how it all went down for you. My initial reaction is, thank God I'm awake at 2 o'clock in the morning and remotely sober. And so I could just process it. And immediately I started texting you guys, started texting my brother, my dad. I was like, I was up until like three, three thirty in the morning, just thinking about what all this means, because I thought the Clippers were dead in the water. I mean, everyone did. This is like, if you thought this trade was anywhere near possible, you're crazy because no one saw it coming and you're just a liar. Um, but I thought it was awesome. I'm happy for the Clippers. I'm happy for Clipper fans. I'm happy 
for Kawhi and Paul George. They're going home. And I'm happy for NBA fans at large because there is no clear dynasty on the horizon. This is going to be a really well-fought. It's going to be like a dogfight league again. You have Steph and Clay up in North Cali, and D'Angelo Russell and Draymond. Like That's still going to be a solid team. Come playoff time, we'll see where Clay is. And then you get... AD and LeBron on the Lakers. You get Kawhi and Paul George on the Clippers. You get Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant down the road in Brooklyn. You got Giannis up in Milwaukee. You got all the Philly boys. This is going to be a very fun league this season. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And that's not even counting teams like the Nuggets, who are a year oh, older, yeah. a year better. The Utah Jazz, who've only added pieces to their already strong roster. The Houston Rockets, who have James Harden and you know, possible moves to make or another year running it back, there is parity. And what I'm most interested in once we get to the actual games is all those fans who complained about how the Warriors were just, you know, favorites to win it all every year. Same old thing. Warriors, Cavs, Warriors, Cavs. Oh, going to be the Warriors. Uh, Well, the Warriors lost. Kevin Durant's on the Brooklyn Nets. And the NBA's flipped upon its head. Things change quick. They don't end the way you expect them to. Sometimes they end with sadness and injuries, which happened for the Warriors. And it only led us to a more competitive, more interesting NBA space. So to all you fans out there who complained about having a clear-cut favorite at the start of every NBA season, our clear-cut favorite is up in the air. We have two great teams in L.A. We have Giannis, we have the Sixers, and we have a bunch of other teams who think they have a real, real puncher's chance at getting to the finals and winning it. It is legit. It is fun. It's exciting. And now with it all kind of broken out and all of us knowing what's going on here, we can finally look at these rosters, discuss what we could imagine happening, and have a ton of fun until we get to October and these games start up again. So, Frank, how about you? What did you think about this off the bat? So, just like the Kawhi sweepstakes in general, I mean, I guess I was like everybody else. You know, a few people acted like they had an idea and, like, they kind of knew. And, honestly, it bothered me because, like, I don't know, I'm pretty – heavy follower of Ryan Rosillo and like he was very adamant about like just saying how nobody knows and like when people say they know about Kawhi they don't because like he literally gives nothing up and I you know I truly believe that I mean you literally never hear anything come from this camp and I, I don't know why I started to you know the the pathetic Knicks fan in me you guys are ready for this I haven't told you this yet but the pathetic Knicks fan in me was like you know, maybe maybe the Knicks canceling their meeting with Kawhi was like the stupidest thing because he's downplaying how interested he was because he just doesn't want anybody to know. That's like how far I was going with it when he didn't <laughs> sign on the fourth, bro. Like, in wow. all seriousness, though, but like, yeah, no, that's deep. It, call, it caught me off guard. The trade more so than the sign. I, I think like my my heart wanted that Knicks thing more so than my brain. I definitely thought he was going to L.A. and going back home, but I honestly had no idea. It was super surprising, and honestly, like. I don't know. How could you not be happy? Like you said, parody, all those things that people hated were hating on the NBA for, like, evaporate in, you know, two weeks. Yeah. No, I mean, that's some deep-cut conspiracy stuff from your Knicks fans, uh, part of oh, your brain. Oh, my God. That's pretty intense right there, Frank. I'm, I'm, I'm proud it of you. It definitely brought on some intense self-loathing after, you know? I don't like, know. Why am I even thinking like that? <laughs> I don't know if I'm proud or disappointed that you're willing to admit that you thought those things. But nonetheless, <laughs> uh, you did. So it, it's pretty crazy. But, um, you know, there's a part of me that did not want to see Kawhi Leonard go to the Lakers. You know, Kawhi has this little bit of a brand here 
where even though he was young, he did take down the Miami Heat dynasty in a way with the help of the Spurs and, and that system. And then he went to Toronto for one year as a mercenary and took down the Warriors with the help of some injuries, but he still did it and was that dude while doing it. So that part of me was like, come on, Kawhi's going to go play with LeBron. He's going to go with the Lakers and Anthony Davis. Come, come on, man. Like that, that can't be it. Like that can't be the next step here for the league, for Kawhi. The drama didn't feel right, and I was pretty outspoken saying I can't imagine him signing there. And though I did get nervous about that take getting cold take exposed, uh, it turned out in my favor there because he now joined another team. He got a star along with him, and now there's two really awesome teams with really awesome talent at the top in Los Angeles alone, and that rivalry by itself will be super fun to watch. And nonetheless, it'll do great things for the rest of the league when you're talking about the others in the Western Conference, the Nuggets, the Jazz, and those teams. Also thinking they're right there with them. I mean, the absolute battles we are going to see in the Western Conference again this year are going to be awesome to watch. And that doesn't even count the great teams like the Sixers and the and the Bucks and the Nets and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference fighting for themselves. I think this is a big win for the league. I think it's a big win for the fans. And even though it would have been a partial dumpster fire slash amazing experience to watch Kawhi with LeBron, I think all of us did take a little bit of a sigh of relief when that did not become our reality. Listen, I got this tweet I want to read to you guys from Dan Levitard. I saw it earlier today, and I think you guys will appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's, ob- it's about Kawhi Leonard. It's not obvious at the start, but you'll get it towards the end. Keeps Duncan Young, wins title, finals MVP. Ends Heat Big 3, doesn't get traded home, wins new team and country first title anyway, finals MVP. Ends Warriors Big 4, was thought to be going to a trio with Lakers, win five titles, barges into LeBron's home to fight instead, saves league, gangster. Yeah, and I feel like that sums it up pretty pretty accurately. Yeah, that was an Kawhi, awesome tweet. Kawhi I saw Leonard that as well. is a gangster. <laughs> he works in silence. What is is that a Michael Corleone line? Is, that, is he using... A Michael Corleone Godfather line about like working in silence and and letting your actions. Yeah, it's little Wayne. It's little yeah, Wayne. Wayne. Keep that... moving silence like lasagna, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. I was gonna say because if it was Michael Corleone using that, that... was some Corleone shit though. Like it, he's just at the baptism and then like everyone's just getting murdered. Word. Yep. And that's yep. like he, that's he LeBron's thing. Strings while smoking a stogie, dude. LeBron's thing is the Godfather, and the Godfather all along might be the quiet assassin, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi, Kawhi is what we wanted LeBron to be. Mm. Is that what mm. we're learning? I think so. He's the Whoa. savior, man. You just hit, he, he, is the, he is the GM we thought he was. You, wow. Is he, is Kawhi, all right, confirmed Kawhi Leonard better GM than LeBron? Can we say it? Yeah, um, Kawhi I, better GM than most GMs. Like, <laughs> LeBron couldn't pull off Paul George to LA, dude. And That's a fact. Kawhi, Kawhi did it in three minutes after he signed there. Now, another name that gets brought up now as part of this mastery in the Clippers, and we, we will talk about the other side of this trade because there's something to be said about the amount of things that they gave up, which includes a, a really good veteran, a really good young player, and a boatload of picks. So we'll get to the possible um, you know negatives of this trade, right? Because they, they do exist and they do uh, deserve to be examined. But Jerry West here is... He was a Laker legend. He is the logo. He's an NBA icon. He ran the Lakers for a while, then he kind of got silenced. He left. He went to the Warriors, did what he did there. Now he's with the Clippers, and what has he done? 
He made a team of uh, a ragtag team at Misfits, a 48-win team, win two games against the Warriors in the first round, and then he brought Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to the Clippers. Does Jerry West also deserve a whole lot of love here? I mean, are we forgetting that? He's going to be GM of the year already. Like, I don't he's know still, what else could happen. He's not even a GM, technically. Could... The logo is going to be remodeled, but not after someone else, but just after Jerry West as a GM. Him he's sitting on the sidelines? Yeah, That's instead of him weird... as a basketball player. That's such a weird dynamic when people are like the president of basketball operations, but then they, they're not the actual GM. Like David Griffin in in New Orleans, just as a side yeah. note. I don't know. I don't know particularly understand that but i guess it's, it's a really is kind of just a team effort like people say well yeah i mean in the knicks it's the same thing you have um steve mills is the president of basketball operations and scott perry is the general manager but they they work together they make the decisions together so i guess when you have like a masai ujiri he is like um a one-man show there which is why i think he is president of basketball operations but he also is the gm if there's multiple people i believe in new orleans you have david griffin and then trajan langdon who is a former mm-hmm. Nets guy, so maybe like he's technically the GM. I don't know. It does get a little mucky, but nonetheless, Jerry West here and his team, which is Lawrence Frank, uh, I think Michael, Michael Winger might be a guy. Like Those people, are like they're sitting at home saying, hey, we may have given up all the picks we ever could have possibly given away, but we have an absolute killer starting five and a few bench pieces as well. They're no joke. Like This is insane. Yeah, shout out Lawrence Frank too. He uh, went to Teaneck High School, which is where I'm from, or oh, wow. not from, but where I live now. So currently shout out reside. Teaneck. Currently yeah. reside. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you guys this before we get into some of the other trade stuff. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George seemingly play the same position, right? They are big wings who can play two, but they're really threes, but they can play four as well, right? Like that's really what they are. They can handle the ball. They can take over. They can shoot. They can defend anybody. Um, are they so versatile that their fit is pretty much out of question or is there some possible like negatives in their overlaps or is it just going to be a, a great combination what do you guys think there no i think they're totally fine with how they're spread out like you can have patrick beverly be the starting point guard because you don't need him to score then you have lou williams on the bench then you can have like i don't know either landry shamit or rodney magruder start as the shooting guard and you can play quiet the four paul george at the three um, I don't really think you could play George at the four. I don't think he's strong enough. I mean, th- during these playoffs, we really got saw on display just how fucking insanely strong Kawhi Leonard is. Um, and then you have Zubac, who probably start as the probably start as the center, and then bring Harrell off the bench still, or you flip it. It's fine too. I mean, they essentially have two guys at every position that I feel comfortable with them playing. Um, and then when it comes to wings, like. What's really the difference between a two and a three? No. Does it really matter? Yeah, I guess who you defend. That's about it. I I guess, but like either of those guys can guard any two or any three. It's really when it comes to point guards, they might have a little trouble because they're, you know, just craftier and shorter. And you see teams like uh, like Philadelphia. Ben Simmons struggles to guard those those shifty guys like um, Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. We saw during that series. So and yeah, not really D'Angelo Russell, but separate. That's that's a separate issue, but <laughs> I'm not worried about start. Like I think starting is like kind of this weird overrated thing now. It's more of just a token of respect. Yeah. When you have guys like like Manu Ginobili or Lou Williams who come off the bench and they close the game out, like yeah. that's really what's more important, right? Is it the first five minutes, or the last five minutes? Is that was, was going to be my down? point. Yeah, it's, it's what matters for the Clippers is going to be the lineup they're running out there to end games, not to start games. But to the greater point, 
Uh, I definitely agree with Duff. I mean, I actually think it's a good fit. I know that Paul George and Kawhi technically play the same position, but they're both super versatile defenders who can switch to the four pretty easily. So, I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm afraid for teams to have to play that team. In a league that has gone, like, very offensive heavy, uh, playing against the starting lineup of, you know, P-Bev, Kawhi, PG, potentially Montrez Harrell, like, that's that's not going to be fun to try and score on every day. You know? And I think, aren't they going to be getting back in Bahamute this season or no? Um, mm, I don't know. Did, I know... I'm not sure. I gotta check. I gotta check on Bamute. I think a guy who needs to be talked about here is one of the runner-ups for Six Man of the Year, not Lou Williams, who has won Six Man of the Year again. But Montrez Harrell, he really became. If you watched him last year, he became like a Draymond Green type player, except he's a better finisher. He's probably not as impactful all across the board on defense like Draymond is in his prime and when he's really on his game. But he's a very similar player uh, defensively and offensively. That short role for, between Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell was so deadly last year, where Trez would get the ball, you know, around the free throw line and have the ability to put the ball on the floor, make a play, make a pass, make a, a layup or a, a big dunk, big time dunk. Montrez Harrell is no joke. And when you think about how teams are constructed, he's a guy who doesn't need a ton of attention offensively. But when he gets the ball, offensive rebounds, cutting through the lane, running the short pick and roll. I mean, he could be absolutely deadly, and we saw him put up 20-point games quite often last year. So in this mix of Clippers, who, uh, when you think about who's going to round out the other guys and who's going to be making impacts and making big 15, 20-point performances in the playoffs, Montrez Harrell is a guy who should not be forgotten. I fell in love with his game last year, and I can't wait to see what he can do next to some absolute superstars. Definitely, and just... Quick, quick note on Bahamute. He is not signed for this season, but I definitely heard Zach Lowe mention him, which is confusing to me. Um, <laughs> but their their depth is undeniable. They're really kind of what uh, what what the Nets are hoping to be next year, right? So that's why we had always kind of compared the two of them throughout the season um, because they they had. I heard someone talking about it recently. It was sort of you know, what, what we always question, what's the value of finishing like sixth, seventh or eighth in the conference? Like you're almost guaranteed a first round bounce, especially as the eighth seed and you miss out on a lottery pick, potential top five pick, yada, yada, yada. But if you get those picks or you land on some solid, you know, mid lottery, late lottery picks, and then you have a well-rounded team that you can show, Hey, all we need is a superstar. We have the space step right in and you have a playoff possibly championship finals contender right here. What, you know, why wouldn't you want to come play with us? And that's what the Clippers did. That's what the Nets did. And it worked out for them. They kind of just ate shit for a couple of years. And then they made the right moves, cleared the cap at the right time and took a swing and they, they hit a home run. And it's, that's cra- what you got to do. It's crazy that it's happened on both coasts with the quote other teams, right? So the Knicks and the yeah. Lakers have also, they the Knicks and the Lakers have been the two worst franchises in the league for like what? 10 years, mm-hmm. much. right? Like, they've been legitimately bad. They have the worst records over the past five years by, like, a big stretch of, of games. And they they continuously go for the quick fix. Now, obviously, the Lakers' quick fix landed LeBron James and now traded a whole lot of pieces that they drafted pretty well to get Anthony Davis. So that's a win for them. So their quick fix seems to be on the right track. The Knicks' quick fix has actually turned into, hopefully, this slow rebuild, this uh, Nets and Clippers-type process 
that the Knicks hopefully can stay on that trajectory, which we will talk about a bit more later. But the Clippers and the Nets on both coasts became respectable. They drafted well. They hit on mid to late picks. They made some key off uh, offseason acquisitions, some good little trades. They took on some salary when they needed, but also took on talent when it uh, when it made sense as well, and it set them up perfectly. And now both teams on each coast that are considered the other teams in their respective cities are sitting on top of the NBA um, Twitter world saying they have best chances to win multiple titles in the next four or five years. And, and seeing that and understanding the value of being you know, the 14th worst team in your conference to the 12th to the 10th, now being a sixth seed, now making some noise in the playoffs, that did so much for their reputation. It did so much for their culture. And clearly, other top guys in the league took enough notice to consider them and choose them and choose them as their new home. So when people talk about tanking, I can get pretty upset because it doesn't always work. This this idea of the process can be very overrated. It can be years and years of misery without a light at the end of the tunnel. But the way these teams did it, they didn't just tank. They tried to put competitive basketball players on the floor, win games, make the playoffs, and then make their splash when the time was right. That seems to be more of the process. Even a team like the Utah Jazz, when they lost Hayward, everybody should have thought, like, this team's done. They're going in the tank, right? They should rebuild, blow it up, trade your assets, get more more picks. But they didn't. They hit one of their mid-level picks. They continue to put solid players around them. Now they added some more pieces, and they looked at to be a lock for the top four in the West. That seems to be the way to do it to me. Duff, what and say that, you? The, the hardest part is getting the first star, right, to to make you an attractive destination. That's what the Jazz did, like you're talking about. They got Donovan Mitchell, who's definitely going to be a star in this league, maybe a superstar one day. We'll see. So, And that's what the Knicks, like they thought they had him Porzingis, but it was just such a bad match. They had to move him, which... You know, it sucks, but I understand what sort of happened there and why they did it. So for a team like the Nets, they said, look, we have D'Angelo Russell here. He wasn't a star. Now he's a star. So we have good infrastructure. And the Clippers can point at Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell and Shea Gilders Alexander, Alexander and, and say, like, these guys weren't what they are now when they got here. And we helped prop them up. We helped develop them. We put them in a good, positive situation. So – why couldn't we do the same for you? And this is the kind of expectation that that you have for a front office is to always develop players and support them and make them better all the time. These teams are actually doing that. Not a lot of teams actually do those things. Like you see it with the Lakers right across town. They were kind of like their stars. They show flashes or their young stars were kind of just like showing flashes. They're teetering. Brendan Ingram, what's going to be? He's still so young. Lonzo Ball, he keeps getting hurt. I don't know what's going on. You know, all this stuff, players take notice of that. They're smarter than people give them credit for, especially when it comes to these people that you spend day in and day out with, not just the head coaches, but the assistant coaches, the video guys, even just like the rebounders who are there to help you with individual development and how important that is along an entire season when these guys are constantly, they know how competitive it is. They're always trying to add a little something to their game every single year. It is, and, it's, it's incredible. No, I mean... You're you're speaking beautiful words to my ears, Duff. I, I couldn't agree more about this whole thing. And you just think about teams like the Magic, teams like the Suns, who have lived in the lottery. Now, the Magic did actually put a little bit of a competitive team around uh, in the Eastern Conference last year. They made an eight seed. They won one or seven seed even. Did they get seven seed? Yeah. They were the seven seed. They won a game against the Raptors. And everyone's like, oh, you know, Magic, they're cute. Like, that's nice. But if 
you don't get to that point. You don't jump from the, the worst team in your conference to the to the fourth best. You just don't make that jump. Now, the Lakers might make that jump because they got LeBron James, but there's only one LeBron James, and he only changes teams every so often. And there's Which only he got lucky. Like if he was thinking from a basketball perspective, he would have never chosen. The, the Lakers got lucky. He would like. Why would you choose the Lakers? Like why wouldn't you go to Philly? Why wouldn't you go to the Clippers at the time? Even still, even though because like as a brand, LeBron was just kind of above the Clippers. Like I know it's like a shitty thing to say, but it's, it's just true. Kind of what no, it is. Fact. He was. He might at this point he might be above the Lakers. Like it, it's it's a strange situation. They just like you're saying they got super lucky. I mean, for yeah, for yeah, what the Lakers have done over the past couple, like you know, five years, LeBron is above the Lakers. I mean, They're just like falling <laughs> upwards. Like I don't understand. Like they just acquired two superstars by accident, almost. Like, and we know with the dysfunction within that front office, with is Genie Bus taking advice from Kurt Rambis's wife? Like, is that the real GM of the Lakers? Like, we don't know. We didn't hear much from Rob Palinka unless it was absolute Looney Tune stuff. Magic Johnson just resigned without telling anybody, and that was top, wild. Top five moment in in the offs, or I, I guess that was like that was during the playoffs, during the season. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was season, technically yeah. during the, like, during playoffs, right? But no, it was like, right after a Laker game. It was, I think it was, it was like, right after one of their games, the last Regular game of the year, maybe or something like that. Yeah, no, it definitely was year. after their last game. He didn't he didn't quit before the season, right? It was the last game of the year or something like that. It's it's just it goes to show what it means to have a real culture. Uh, and, and, and Especially gonna, when Magic, who's supposed to be the biggest ambassador for your team, is calling the general manager Rob Palenka a backstabber on national television. Like, yeah, I don't. No, that's, looking, that's, I was gonna say that's like that, to me that's that's like the second most shocking moment this offseason, next to the Kawhi and Paul George going to the Clips. Like that that whole interview. I know we talked about it on this podcast briefly uh, a while ago, but man, just one of the most awkward things I've watched in a very long time, him speaking with Rachel Nichols about that whole situation and the meme that came after it where he's like, they're talking about next year and he's like, I'm not going to be here. And he's like kind of laughing and looking off to the side. But yeah, that, that was crazy. And what happened since then kind of made me forgot about it, but talking about it now reminded me, but I also had one question I wanted to ask before we get off the Clippers. Uh, so with the Clippers thrown back into the spotlight, really, uh, your favorite coach in the NBA, Duff, is is now has some expectations on him again. Uh, how are we feeling about Doc this year? I think I was – I must be dead wrong about Doc Rivers, and I'm ready to eat crow on that one because clearly players love him. Clearly people want to play for him. There was a great Spice Adams meme that came out. Everyone yeah. go look at it yes. and go find it, <laughs> of him stepping out, stepping out of the car, showing up for practice. <laughs> Doc Rivers is pretty great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look. Look what he did with the team he had last year. He almost brought him to 50 wins. They gave the Warriors a bit of a fight in the first round. You know, they showed some life. They showed some grit. And and that's one thing that I forget who was talking about. It was someone either – it was either Lawrence Frank in the front office. Maybe it was even Steve Ballmer where they wanted to develop a reputation of like a clipper player. Like yeah. what is a clipper? When you think of a clipper, what is that? It's someone who works hard, you know – you know, earns everything, is gritty, shows up for work every day. And that's those, when I look at their roster, those are the guys they have. Like even before, even before they signed Kawhi and Paul George, who I think definitely fit the bill on that. I mean, you, you think of what Kawhi has done to make the leap from where he was when he was in college to where he is now, or Paul George, when he had that horrific injury and he was like a 10th pick, he, he makes the leaps like an all NBA, NBA player 
has that terrible injury and then comes back from it and is in the MVP conversation this year. Then you take like Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like I know he's not on the team anymore, but he was a young guy who didn't really make any mistakes. His game was limited in certain areas, but he wasn't, you know, forcing turnovers. Like we see a lot of rookie point guards do sometimes. So I think that, you know, that whole, that ties into that whole, their whole reputation about the Clippers. Um, and, and really the way their infrastructure works and how they develop players. And on that note, like a team 10 years ago, we would have talked about as being great with player development and really just having a positive infrastructure would have been the thunder. Yeah. yeah. With the way the young players they had and Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, uh, Serge Ibaka, like think about all the four of those guys they had. And now the lone man standing is Russell Westbrook. And we don't even and know now, how much longer he'll be standing there. And we don't, yeah, we don't know what's that, what that's going to turn into. Like you had James right. Harden turn into, Kevin Durant turned into nothing. Sir, uh, James Harden turned into Stephen Adams, Jeremy Lamb, and like Kevin Martin and who, whatever else. And then Paul, like Serge Ibaka turned into Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, who turned into Paul George, who has now turned into Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, Danilo Gallinari, who's and expiring that they probably won't resign and or or sell seven, to a contender yeah or yeah and then seven draft picks yep it's, it, it's insane sam presti is no slouch even though the harden trade totally like knocked him down a peg i think he's one of the more respected was that really guys his fault though no, i thought no. that was more about the owner trying to save money right it was but i'm saying you know that wasn't a great return for a guy who then became an mvp but besides the True. point besides the point uh, Balmer, with what you're talking about, it was Steve Ballmer said it. He's like, I want people to think of a Clipper basketball player like they do a uh, Pittsburgh Steeler. He's like, I want them oh, to be known as a guy around the like people around the league play the Clippers. They're like, these guys are no joke. They ain't taking a playoff. And that's what the Clippers were last year. And when they yeah. won two games against the Warriors with Kevin Durant playing out of his mind, we're like, yo, this Clippers team is for real. And that's why I just thought Kawhi to the Clippers all along was kind of the move to make. It made the most sense to me. Um, it really goes to show. Now, Frank, it's a great question. I do want to ask this question now in regards to both L.A. teams because they are the most, um, I don't know what the exact perfect word is for it, but like tantalizing teams now moving forward. Polarizing. Po- yeah, polarizing, uh, just exciting and going to have so many eyeballs on them soon as day one of the season starts, especially when they play against each other. And they're also two of the top three title contenders, according to Vegas right now. So when you look at the Clippers, you look at the Lakers, um, what what do you look at like who do you give the edge to in this early moment so it's funny you say that because i wanted to mention this anyway i wanted to mention about the clippers specifically with doc rivers be like after the cp3 lob city blake griffin days they we talk about culture a lot and organizations having culture and you know a good percentage of the teams in the league i'd say more than two-thirds of them have a culture um but even less of them like have like a team personality like whether the personnel is the same five years ago as it is now like the team still has that same kind of like grind to it or the same kind of personality to it the team that comes to my mind before the Clippers is the Grizzlies you know just like grit and grind since forever you know like uh I'm forgetting his name now Tony Allen retired like four years ago but they're still grit and grind he's like a hall of famer only in Memphis for the Grizzlies (laughs) Like that's, to, that's what I see happening 
in LA and Clipperville. Like right. that team has a personality and their personality is, is fuck you. And the other, the only other teams that I really noticed that have a personality, it might change for the Warriors, but their personality over the past couple, like three seasons is like, you're not going to beat us straight right. up. Don't, I don't care what the score is right now. When the buzzer sounds at the end of the game, you're not beating us. And like, I'd say, like I said, you know, two thirds of the team have culture, maybe less than a third of the team have a personality. And I think that pays like huge dividends. Like it, it gives you a baseline to start at, like basically a floor, uh, no matter what kind of talent you have in there. And now they just have, you know, all right. the talent you could want as much talent as yeah. the Lakers, as much talent as the Warriors, as much talent as anybody on the, uh, in the Eastern conference. So I'm going to give the early thing to the Clippers because that team has a personality and it's a scary one with a lot of talent, a whole lot of fuck you in that team. Absolutely. And what's like off the bat, what's the Lakers personality? Because the only thing I think of when I think about the Lakers personality right now is LeBron. Like he is what I think. I I don't think think dysfunctional. I think it's, it's, it's it's so star dominated. It's 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 LeBron, it's AD and that's it. Guys like Kuzma, in any other market, honestly, would probably get talked about more. But because he's with LeBron and AD right now, nobody even mentions him really, right? Um, I don't know. I I think uh, I think off the bat, it gave him a lot, like him being on the Lakers and having nice rookie numbers and a nice sophomore season that bursted him up. But now that he's behind them, yeah, he's gonna fall by the wayside. And if he was somewhere else, he'd get more talk. So it helped him early. Now it's kind of knocking him now down. Gonna, a peg. Now he gets talked about about as much as as my boy Patty Caruso, which I know the Patty, rest of Patty Caruso. NBA. Fans. But NBA fans don't share the same affinity for Patty Caruso that I do. But well, oh, that's I feel like he's probably, the Kevin Herter of the West. That's probably because his is. name's Alex, by the way. Maybe. You know, whatever. <laughs> what I said is better. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, between those between those two teams, I definitely think the Clippers have the edge. But like top to bottom, they have a better team. But even if we just go micro, like just the, the two stars, the two stars on either side, I would give the slight edge to the Clippers just because – LeBron is older, and he's going to have to do a lot of work now without a third star. And with Anthony Davis's health in question, the flip side of that is Anthony Davis should be playing inspired basketball now. I feel like the last few seasons, he's almost yeah. been mailing it in. Yeah, if there's one guy who got the most out of him, it was Rondo, who's going to be on the Lakers again. Yep. But unless unless Davis jumps up to like a 30 and 15, which he could do, I think, and well, stays healthy. His numbers last year before he decided that he didn't want to play anymore were outrageous off the charts amazing so don't yeah don't he was, he was never he was like he was in the mvp i know top. but if you if you like watched him he was doing it yeah like sleep kind of just he was he was like floating through games just being better than everyone i didn't really see i mean look i'm not inside his head i'm just an observer from my couch right so i didn't see like any sort of like aggression to his game really it was it was kind of a strange thing to watch like he played against the celtics and he had like 28 and 13 and i was like I feel like I scored him like I, I I saw him score like eight baskets. Like I don't know what happened. <laughs> they just appeared the points. It's true though. He he was definitely not a real person last year. Like he just wasn't he wasn't there. He wasn't playing with energy or fight. But the year before that, when he swept the Portland Trailblazers without Demarcus Cousins and it was him, Drew Holiday and Rondo working it, like we were like, This guy's the best player in the league. You know? Yeah. And if that's, he wants it. And that's how quick these things change. So also, from a, a fit perspective, like, do the Lakers have um, a stabilizing point guard? I know we think Rondo can be that guy, especially in the playoffs, but Patrick Beverly is the do definition we? of a stabilizer. I mean, I don't know how much I do, but people still firmly believe in playoff Rondo as a thing. 
He showed flashes. I thought Lonzo was way better than him last year for the Lakers. Um, but when you think about the Clippers, they have the definition of a stabilizing point guard in Patrick Beverly. They have a definition of a grinder who's going to rebound, offensive rebound, put the ball in the hoop and defend in Montrezl Harrell. When you think about the Lakers' others, other than Danny Green, there's some more drama than there is production. I mean, it's Boogie Cousins, it's Rondo, it's um, KCP, it's KCP and Kuzma. Ugh. Like those Very guys Dudley. have more name value. I think Dudley is going to be sneaky, one of their more important p- players. Like if you watch Jared Dudley in the playoffs last year, that dude was the pulse of the Nets when they were playing well. It was incredible to watch. So, but again, he was in a very different. Like we we were just praising the, the grind the culture Nets for their culture, right? And like now now he's in LA. Like are those guys going to be on the same page as him? Like. So much of what Anthony Davis has done over the past few years hasn't been about basketball. Same with LeBron James. So right. now, what like so, I get, I guess he could sort of help set the tone. But like, are we really gonna sit here and be like, "Wow, Jared Dudley might be a big piece for them"? It's like <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bad thing. Yeah, it's like, like you're, that's not you're waiting to hope someone like Jared Dudley and Rajon Rondo helps lift you up, like, that right. should come from the top down. I mean, you see how important it is when the playoffs come around. I mean, I know the stars carry it, but every single year there are players who make huge impacts in the playoffs that go under the radar or don't get talked about enough by the mainstream guys. But when you watch the games with your own two eyes, you're like, damn, yo, Fred Van Fleet is huge for the Raptors right now. Or Marcus Gasol's steadying presence is huge for the Raptors. Or back to the Warriors' old runs, like, before they got Kevin Durant. It's like, damn, yo, if they didn't have Mo Spates to get a bucket or if they didn't have Leandro Barbosa or the Cavs, if they didn't have Richard Jefferson who just knew what he was doing out there when he was um, playing crunch time minutes at age 47, like those guys are important. And when you think about the Lakers and the Clippers, it's why I give the Lakers the edge because, I mean, it's why I give the Clippers the edge because those other guys are real players and not name brands more so than players. Like these Lakers guys are all name brands nowadays more than they are players. And that's tough. for the trade they made, I would I would say you know the seven picks, the the young prospect, the expiring contract who's still a solid player, Gallinari who's above average, really good offensive player. Um, I mean, nearly an All Star last year. Nearly, yeah. I would say he. I, um, I would still say that the Clippers won the trade because from their perspective, they can say, okay, yeah, we traded all that stuff for Paul George, but you know what Paul George got us Kawhi Leonard. So right. it's really you're getting those two players for for that all that bounty that they gave up and from the thunder perspective they could sit back and say well we also won the trade because if this guy didn't want to be here then we traded him early before anyone knew about it and we we got more from the clippers than possibly the than the the pelicans got for anthony davis so yeah i could this is as this is a pretty close to an even trade i mean this is the biggest haul i i can think of i mean i'm yeah. not an nba historian but i haven't heard anyone say otherwise really um I, mean, Fra- I actually i have i have to ask frank a question here because he has been our de facto thunder supporter um really in since kevin durant left even before that you've been a russell westbrook fan through his ups and downs you have actually become a little more accepting of his downs uh which i do appreciate about your nba fanhood frank so i gotta ask you this um because I, I do want to segue to the other parts of this trade here with the thunder now people are people are thinking about this as sort of a get out of jail free card because they need to get under the tax numbers and save money and and all this stuff, right? Now, when you think about the Thunder and Russell Westbrook, what do you think has to be their next move? Is it to now 
try to find some other Paul George type level talent to put with Russ? Or is it to maybe move on from Russ? Like when you think about the Thunder side of this trade, I think everybody's saying, you know what? It's all right. Like everything's good. The, the Clippers went for this. They had to go for it. It makes so much sense. But the Thunder got so much back. But now what are the Thunder's next steps, Frank? Uh, I see really two, two trains of thought. Um, first place my mind went was now you just build the team for us because obviously you're, you seem sort of committed to him with his contract and everything. Like you straight up just keep him and you build a team that works the best around a guy like him. You know, you surround him with – you basically make him LeBron on the Miami Heat team. Just he doesn't have, you know, Dwayne Wade with him. <laughs> or Chris Bosh. <laughs> yeah, or Chris Bosh. But even even Chris Bosh at that point it's is, more It's more like Giannis, honestly. It's Yeah, it's like – yeah, exactly. Like You know, get guys who can space the floor for him. Let him work the inside and build, like, a really niche team and see how good you can get that way. But even then, I still think – their fringe team, their playoff team. They're not a, a finals contending team at that point. So it really depends, you know, where they want to move. Like Russell Westbrook is the, is the comfort zone for them. Right. So it's, it's really dependent on whether they want to step out of that. And I don't know. I feel like how much can that fandom take? I don't see them. I don't see them trading Russell Westbrook because they always do this thing where they try to maintain their relevance for longer than, it seems they can because they're a small market team and maybe they can't attract the free agents. Like we mentioned it earlier, they traded James Harden for basically, you know, pennies on the dollar, but that was in an effort to maintain relevance in the future. Like obviously Harden was the best player in that deal, but they got a few draft picks and, you know, things that they could build on with Russ and KD. So wait, so, so you're, think- you're saying that you'd rather – keep rolling with Russ and se- instead of maybe using this as an opportunity to completely restart and get like the most assets in the league. I'm not saying that's what I would do or what I want to do, but I think that's what they're going to do. Okay. So what do you think they should do disregarding fan base, disregarding, um, you know, what you think they should do basically, or like how important I mean, it is to just stay relevant. If you were like the GM and you needed to make the kinda, best team 10 yeah, years down yeah, the road, so I got you. what are you, what are you, what are you doing then? Like what's the move then? Cause I, what's I, the I think, move? well, the before, before, move before you wait, hold on, you, you before just, you get to that, cause I, I just wanted to throw this out there. Like Sam Presti is the type of GM who is pretty damn ruthless. Like, I don't know how much he's going to have to just say, Oh, we, we can't trade Russ. I think he'll work with Russ. I think uh, Chris Maddox was saying, he fully expects Sam Presti, if he's shopping Russ, to work with him and put him in a good situation for Russ, not just leave him out to dry and trade him to friggin' Minnesota or whatever, even though that wouldn't be the worst place. Um, so if like think about it in Sam Presti's shoes, like you're just making the best team possible, then what do you do? Like I mean logically they just sold on like the entire Russell Westbrook finals window, basically, I feel. Because they're not going to land another quality player like Paul George unless it's via trade, and even then, it's hard to kind of see because they don't have, you know, like the secondary assets to do so. Uh, so yeah, I mean, logically, you, you got to move on. You, you're, you kind of set your not the next decade, but maybe you know the next five years up to be potentially your window. So you got to make moves for guys who are going to be in their prime then, not guys who are prime now like Russell Westbrook. It's so, it, it's so interesting. I, I think I tend to agree with you. I think you can use this opportunity as a, as a turning point for the franchise 
like you have to just say, say to your franchise, like this team is not getting us to where we want to be. We have now spent you know five years in a row of being a four seed and not being good enough. Do we want to con- continue to now be a six or seven seed and not even be close to good enough? Like even in the past two years, we were saying, you know, you know who has a good chance here during the season? Like we're like, you know, the, the Thunder man, like Paul George playing out of his mind. Like what if Melo gets hot in the playoffs? Like what if Russ can hit some threes? Like they can be a team to take down the Warriors. And clearly that was wrong. And now any Thunder fan with the same brain is going to look at this roster and say, now, now we have legit no chance. We're going to be fun because we have Russ and that's it. So yep. any sane Thunder fan is going to understand it, and this just may be the perfect opportunity. And now let's have some fun with it because it is an opportunity. It's going to be talked about. It's going to be rumored. There's going to be a couple teams probably more rumored than others. So, Duff, I mean, you think about the Heat. I threw out the magic to you mm-hmm. while we were talking earlier. Uh, the Knicks are obviously going to be in any rumor because they always are in every rumor. Um, is there one team that makes sense to you to actually try to pull this off? And what is the market for Russ right now? Because it, it seems a little dicey for me. I mean, it's, it's not big. It's, it's not going to be a big market. Um, if there wasn't a, a large market for DeMarcus Cousins on even a one-year deal, I don't know how to take on uh, uh, Russell Westbrook, who's going to be making like $200 million over the next four years and like $47 million in 2022. So you got to have a lot of cap space or, or a lot of – bulky contracts to trade the the obvious one that has no cap space but has those clunky contracts we're talking about is Miami that you mentioned but they have one of Miami's picks the Thunder so why do they want to make Miami better like you you got seven picks okay now three of those are going to be in the 20s because that's just uh in terms of the life of Kawhi's contract they're going to be a good team as long as he's healthy and he stays there especially with paul george around so half those you can just kind of remove the pick swaps like maybe later on like in in, in the stretch of these this deal it spans like seven years for these picks you might have one or two of those where the swap helps you out maybe not by much though um so really like you're, you're banking on like a couple things to go right to make sure one of those picks maybe two is going to be actually like top 10 lottery. So Miami is looking like the best bet right now. Like as far as we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen at the end of Kawhi's contract. So I don't know why you want to make them better. Um, You brought up a good point with Orlando. I think that's a team that could just say, Hey, we're tired of stars leaving here, whether it was Shaq or Dwight Howard, let's get someone to come under contract for a while. But say Russ gets traded there. Like I, I guess he's been comfortable in the small market before Who's to say he won't be again? Um, right, he's a big enough exactly brand a by himself. He's been a b- big enough pr- uh, brand by himself that he doesn't need the market. Like he is yeah. beyond market for sure. One team that I was thinking of is uh, Charlotte, just because that they just lost a star. Now they don't really have much hope. If you're a Hornets fan, like what do you, what where where do we go from here? We haven't hit on any any picks since Kemba Walker. Um, so far, I mean, who knows? A couple are young, uh, in, in Monk and Bridges. So you get Westbrook in there, you sell some tickets, you get in the playoffs, sell some playoff tickets, extra revenue. And Jordan, Jordan brand guy. Yeah, and yeah. the Hornets are owned by Jordan. So that has some synergy to it. And another team that's been in the market for a point guard is the Timberwolves, which you mentioned also. So I really 
kind of narrow it down those four teams. I know the Rockets have been saying like, oh, we're we're going to be involved in this. And sure, they're going to be involved, but like they might offer four picks again, but they're like heavily protected the same way they did with Jimmy Butler. So, you know, when you say involved, what does that really mean? I don't know, especially because they have Chris Paul right now. And do you want Chris Paul's contract or Russell Westbrook's contract? I think I say that, Chris Paul's because it's a year a year less. And that specific thing too definitely depends on how true that story between, you know, the animosity between Harden and Chris Paul is. If that's any, if there's any truth to that, then like, why wouldn't you? That's fair, but it, if it's even if the the situation is completely terrible, like that's still a step back and an extra year on the contract because Westbrook can't play off ball the way Chris Paul can because Chris Paul can actually shoot it. Better, like much better than Westbrook is, if not better than so so many other people. It's still a step backwards in that direction, especially like they're not going to hand the ball to Russell Westbrook now and say James Harden, no, you go stand to the side. Like it's going to be Harden's team no matter what. Yeah, and which, he's definitely which to the me kind of like lends itself to being like an okay situation to throw him in. Like that to me, that's the only situation he can go, and it's like maybe still on a legitimately contending team. There's another guy. So, Frank, well, actually, you know, that's a good point. Like, if you you throw Russ to Orlando, he's not going to look at Jonathan Isaac and say, yeah, I need to give him 15 possessions a game. He's going to say, I'm in Orlando. I am the man. Uh, You guys get the ball when I pass to you. Like, speak when spoken to. But if he goes to play with a star like uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook will say, all right, James, like, I I get it. Like, you are the man here. I'm not going to completely impede that. Uh, but if he goes to a Charlotte, if he goes to Orlando, we see you know forty percent usage rust, and we know what that looks like already. Exactly, and and like to your point, I'm not going to disagree. Like Chris Paul is probably the better player to pair with a guy who's very ball dominant. Like that's that's a good point. But to my earlier point, if they really don't like each other, and there's like a synergy slash chemistry issue, like two guys who played together when they were young and are very clearly still good friends. They still work out in the off season and stuff like the added chemistry slash synergy boost you can get from something like that can maybe combat what you're missing on, you know, just like the off ball shooting you get from Chris Paul, because there are some things that you would get from Russ that you necessarily didn't get from Chris Paul. Like a la, you know, he's a better rebounder. And he's, so he's that. a little younger, has some more energy in his legs. True. Cause like Chris Paul at certain points last year did not look like Chris Paul. Yeah, and so, I mean, yeah. honestly, that's been the death of the Rockets. It wasn't last year in the playoffs, but the year before that was Chris Paul's injury. Yeah, but last year yeah. it was just Chris Paul not being Chris Paul. Like, he just wasn't that good, you know? True. So True. I, I, you actually brought up a really interesting trade idea with the Rockets and Heat earlier before yeah, we started I, that recording. Was, I, I don't know. So I thought shoot, that was I Shoot that out there. Cool, I think, like, I think it's interesting. What, what is it? Yeah, so it was a three-team deal. Uh, what did I say? The Heat get Chris Paul. The Rockets get Russ, and then the Thunder just get, you know, the Cap scrap. filler and expirings. Yeah, scrap left on the table and draft picks from both sides. Right. like the, that, that, the... That's something that could even work out, like, cap-wise, potentially, because I know Russ and CP are both guys who are – I don't know if they're both max, but they're both very close to, if not max. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're both this, up this, there. I, f- I feel like this Houston, like, saying they're involved thing, I don't – I don't think it's real. Like for as much credit as we give Daryl Morey, I'd be surprised if he was in on this. Cause it's a step backwards. Like I don't, th- there are other options. I'd rather just do some kind of straight up deal with the heat where they send Chris Paul over and I get back Goran Dragic and 
James Johnson or whatever filler. Like I would rather have that over Russell Westbrook at this point, because at least it gets, it's fewer years and more flexibility than one giant contract. You get like two. Right. How, how long do they have Harden for? Contracts. They have Harden for a full, I think like three more years now. I'll tell you in a second though. Well, actually, by the way, Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook's cap hit is the exact same number. Their cap hit is exactly thirty-eight million. But the extra years, five hundred six forty four eighty-two. Yeah, it's the exact but, same but he, cap he, hit. Uh, the the reason my mind goes my way too is because it's like a win-win-win. I know that's not like necessarily real world. So I, I get your point. I definitely. It's do. not a win-win-win though. I don't think that's a win for the Rockets. Uh, again, my point is Just heavily cut the middleman. Like, why my, do they? Need my to point is heavily contingent on there being animosity between Chris Paul and James Harden. Like, I don't that's, like it. If, that's what I'm if, saying. If that's true, if more like, matters, really if you if you fucking hate your teammate, you're not. Right, yeah, that's fine. Team. But why? Like, you think Russell Westbrook's going to fix that? Like, he's more ball dominant than Chris Paul and a worse player. Like, in terms of team. But him and him and James Harden have coexisted on the same team and are friends outside that was of basketball. Ten years ago. <laughs> It was. It was actually six years seven, ago. Seven, seven, so, yeah. or whatever. Six, seven years ago. It, I, it's still like, more than you can say completely for completely different players. Yeah, let's be let's be completely up. honest right now. Let's be completely honest right now about Russell Westbrook. How many teams even want him on their team right now? And it's crazy to say he's an All NBA player. He will most likely be an All NBA player again next year, maybe for two more years. Who knows? How many teams would even want him? Just like. For who he is, there's. I'm, a, I'm I think sick and tired of players like trying to defend him. Like the media bashes him too much. Like if you love him so much, get him on your team or go to the Oklahoma City. Like stop leaving, like and stop signing and demanding trades. Like all this, like everything points to the contrary of what everyone says. Like I know NBA players defend other players all the time, and they think that media and fans don't appreciate how good other NBA players are. And they're definitely right about that. But this is like one hill I'm so willing to die on. I, mean, wait, I, that, I think, yeah. I, I mean, but I, like, would you, in all seriousness, would you choose Russ over Kawhi? Like, that's an easy choice. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just, I'm, told I'm, you I'm, I just told you I'd pick Goran Dragic and Cap Filler over Russell Westbrook. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but like, I don't know. I don't know how that's necessarily Dude, an wait, indictment on Russ per- as much as it is. Because like, he's Goran fucking Dragic. He got a pity all-star. I'm saying I'm not saying what you said about it. I'm saying what actually happened, like Paul George leaving. He didn't necessarily leave because he didn't like being with Russ. He rest because he left because he had the opportunity to play with the best player in the fucking world, who clearly isn't Russ. It's Kawhi. Wait, let me, My point let, is he never wanted to stay there at all. He just stayed there to get more money. Wanted, he's, wait, let me let me so clear, let me clean a this four up. Four year deal with the intent to get traded to the Clippers. Let me let me clean this up. Let me clean this up. <laughs> Russell Westbrook is an All NBA is an All NBA pl- uh, player. I made this comparison on the podcast once, and I believe the both of you thought it was stupid. This is like Carmelo Anthony. Like everybody in the league, every player in the league knows what he's about. They know how talented he is. They know how hard it is to play against him. Yet when it comes to playing with him, they also now know it is not a walk in the park. It does not make your life that much easier if, in fact, it might make it harder. It took Paul George a full year of getting healthier slash figuring out how to be the man, and everybody thought he was the leader of that team last year. Everybody thought Paul George was the best player on that team last year. So disregarding of contracts, disregarding of um, trades or whatever right now, like how many teams even would want to build around him? 
I don't think there's that many. I think the perfect. You, the you perfect, don't have to get him on, on your team to build around him. The you perfect, can get him to be an, an extra piece. The perfect no? example is you, Frank. Because when we texted in the in our group chat the other day, Duffy said, like, LOL, you know the Knicks are going to be involved in these trade talks. And you literally, correct me if I'm wrong, use this exact term. You said, I, I think I'll, I'd rather just appreciate from afar. Rather yeah, than have rather him on watch the Knicks. from afar, yeah, 100%. So, like, you were admitting yourself that you wouldn't even want him on the team you're rooting for. And I know the timeline thing completely doesn't make sense. It makes them better now, but lowers their ceiling um, future. Because no one thinks Russell Westbrook is winning a, a, chi- a title being the best player on a team or the second best player on a team right now. So, you might you might have said it your, yourself in the group chat. You'd rather appreciate from afar. You don't want him on your team. Again, my point that I was making before, though, I, I don't think Paul George leaving the Thunder is necessarily so much of him trying to get away from Russ as it is an opportunity to play, because again, I'll say it, the best player in the world, straight up. No, you're you're right. I don't disagree with that. I, I do vehemently agree with my own take, obviously, that I just believe there are many teams. I think like 27 teams would just say like, no, nah, I'm good. And that's it's going to be it's going to be a few teams that come to my mind that I think would. And again, to your other point, like I don't think any teams bringing him in or any team wants to bring him in as like the guy that has a chance of competing like like mess like teams like the Rockets, like the Rockets aren't going to bring Russ in to run the team. That's that's not what the point of that is like another team that comes to mind. And I don't know why, like even as the Mavericks, right? Like say the Mavericks went out on a limb and tried to get Russ to pair with their European trio or whatever they have. Like, I don't think that's a situation where he goes in and is necessarily the guy. And I think that's a team that maybe possibly benefits from getting him. Like, they're probably a better team with Russell Westbrook than whoever they're running at point right now. Right. Well, the problem is, does Russell Westbrook agree with that? Does he think that? Does he have enough uh, self-awareness to know that that's going to be the case? And I, I just, he hasn't shown that he knows that. He hasn't shown it at all. Really, I actually think he took a step back last year for Paul George. That's why Paul George was an MVP considered player. I thought we like got over that hump last year. But Russ, Russ didn't. He didn't. I, 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 he didn't do some things different that I didn't see in years past. But he still took a ton of shots. Shot the worst percentages of his career. One fewer shot a game. Yeah, but if you actually watch the games, like, like within five minutes, within five, like ten points, like close games in the fourth quarter. He wasn't number one option, and he right because every time he like, was, they lost. He, 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 yeah, but but like he deferred to guys like Dennis Schroeder. Like how that doesn't like register as awareness to other people. Like how doesn't it? <laughs> I don't understand. No, I mean you're not completely wrong. You're not com- like, but they're... I just I don't I don't get the po- like I get the point. He's not an easy person to play with. He doesn't necessarily make all teams better. One hundred percent. You know that's the same case with most players. But to say that nobody can benefit from having him, I think is is fucking stupid. Honestly, that's why I, th- I, I think the Orlando I Magic. I so brash about it. But, no, I, I mean yeah, I, I like. I actually it. think the Mavericks are a good point because they really don't have a like a point card that you can point to for the future. I actually think that would be a fit in the sense of like a like a a classical like basketball roles like point guard, shooting guard, small forward, like etc. But Luca's going to be their point forward, essentially. For yeah, no, for sure, for sure. But like, there, there's other teams like that. Like, I mean, you mentioned before Minnesota. Minnesota's a team that definitely would benefit from getting Russell. Absolutely, Westbrook. absolutely. Um, I, the, I think the, that's I the best fit. The, the other team, and I know they're they're nowhere near like contention or anything like that. 
But a team that I, I think could be in the next couple of years, I, I like their draft picks. Memphis Grizzlies. If they're Russell no, Westbrook they got on that John team, Morant. and then they got John Morant. They're not. They're no. But even so, like, dual yeah. guard works. Well, I think John I, Morant can still be ball dominant. They got the no, biggest power forward who likes to shoot. Ball, he's worthless. I think I think the Orlando Magic, and this is to my my point why I brought this whole thing up. I think the, a team like the Orlando Magic is the perfect organization to do this because. I don't think the Magic's goal that they even see in their future right now is championship contender. And I think getting Russell Westbrook to be one of the lead guys on your team does not lead to that point. So do the Magic say, hey, we're going to continue to be an eight seed on the fringe of maybe not even making the playoffs with the roster we're currently working with? Yeah, we have some nice young guys. But if we bring in Russell Westbrook, we have a real star, a guy who's putting butts in seats, making people watch us on League Pass and on TV— like now we may just be a four or five seed at best, but now we are at the table. We now get invited to some national televised games. Like they become a franchise we kind of care about because they have Russell Westbrook. And maybe for a team like the Magic, that is their goal is to be at the table. Like I think a team like the Celtics, who, you know, if they didn't go for Kemba Walker, maybe they'd try to go for Russell Westbrook. I don't know. Maybe they go for Westbrook. But a team like the Celtics, their goal is always championship, championship, championship. There are teams like the Magic, teams like the Timberwolves, teams like the Suns, who you just can't see championship in their future, that bringing them in would get them to the table where the big boys play, the big boys eat, and that would be good enough for a lot of franchises. So that's why I think it's going to be a team like that that goes for it rather than a team that says championship or bust. Dude, I say... I agree. I think the Rockets thing is like totally fake. I think them saying they're in the mix is just basically Maury announcing like, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm like doing my job and exploring the option. Just everyone pay. Like he's just announcing to the world. I'm doing my job. That's I, basically it all. If I'm he actually that. trades for him, like put a clock on it within a calendar year, he's fired. Like that's it. <laughs> I actually, I don't know what I just thought of the, the first point I made or a point I made in the group chat a long time ago about it. Like when we first started talking about Russ getting moved, but, uh, Send him to Phoenix with Devin Booker, and then move the whole franchise to Seattle. <laughs> Seattle, Seattle's Super Suns starting up with Russell Westbrook and D Book. Talk oh, about putting wow. asses in the seat. By the way, Seattle Super Suns, great alternate team name. Come on, dude. Purple, <laughs> the uh, Super purple, uh, orange and uh, and green or whatever. I don't know what I said. But the, the, the whole thing was there. And yeah, laid out they, for us. they do have like the worst owner in sports, and I can say that confidently, even though James Dolan still exists. Like Rob, I can't. Then you shouldn't say that confidently. What, dude? <laughs> dude, have you paid attention to any of the Sarver stuff? It is outrageously bad. Outrageously it's bad. A, it's a toss-up. There's no clear front runner. I think I don't know. I think I think recent PR stuff, except for maybe this whole KD contract thing, like Sarver is just taking the cake on being the worst owner in the NBA. Can we talk about how the Knicks had had two max slots and didn't even get a fucking meeting? They had an opportunity no. to meet with Kawhi and they decided not to. Let's not so. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> At least the Suns are the Suns, and no one expects anything. Like. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What I said was a negative. I wasn't trying to, you know, prop them up by saying that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. A, it's a, it's, a tough like, one. it's it's like that thing I said at the beginning, man. That that's that's partially what led me to believe it too, because that's that's like that would be the most Knicks thing ever, right? Like Kawhi intended to sign with the Knicks, and they didn't even meet with them because they didn't think they had a chance. 
right? It would be the most Knicks thing ever. A second to uh, trading for a 30-year-old point guard who has multiple surgeries and seems to have his best years behind him and is not a winner. <laughs> Russell yeah. Westbrook. Yep. It would be such an old Knicks move. I'm trying to say new Knicks because Perry and Mills, so yeah. far, Perry and Mills haven't done any of these crazy, like, overpay for veteran things yet. Like, they haven't done that yet, okay? They, so, they, they kind of did, though, when they didn't leave themselves any cap room to, like, take on bad contracts. Sure. They, they made that wasn't like the Nets did. That wasn't, like, the. That wasn't on the level of, you know, getting Stefan Marbury. And then. I would give their grade, Marbury. like, their offseason grade is a C. Like, what, what, what do you minus. give the Chris Porzingis trade grade? Let's let's be real right now. I mean, they did it to clear two max slots, which amounted to nothing. So again, I give it a C. A C? That's very generous of you. I wish you were most of my professors in college. <laughs> it's at least they got picks back and like cleared cap. Like in at the time, it was like. Stop. So like there, well hold on. Let me say this: like a C is not good. No way, it's not good, right? But like right. they've done multiple Fs. They've had multiple right, Fs. Right, it's not it's not that bad. So but, like you know. I'm saying this is my point. Perry and Mills, and I actually want. Look, you're I want to keep your hopes up. I'm trying to push them back down. I wanted to end. <laughs> actually, I wanted to end on the Knicks because we haven't had Frank to talk about the Knicks yet. So I'm glad we actually got here because we're gonna end up pretty soon anyway. Um, the Knicks have had multiple Fs in their past off seasons. I mean, Joe Kim Noah, boom F. Like Tim Hardaway Jr. was like a D minus. Like at least that was sem- like movable. They got they used it for something. I don't know, but. They've had multiple Fs. This year, they did not have flexibility uh, three days into free agency, but they do have flexibility at the end of this year, at the end of next year, and they did uh, add a player who people do like, Julius Randle, and continue to draft people who seem to be and NBA players. And they signed three other power forwards right after him. But Right. It would be the most Knicks move ever, the old Knicks move, because I'm saying new Knicks, Perry Mills, don't do this yet. Old uh, Knicks would trade the house for Westbrook. He would have six months of greatness and then he would break his leg and we never hear from him again like that would be old Knicks and they didn't do that yet they didn't do it yet yeah I don't know how much better than new Knicks is though like at least the old Knicks like that Melo's first game in New York was like iconic at least there's absolutely nothing iconic about this Knicks team but or where they're going absolutely Sorry. but if the Knicks traded for Russell Westbrook I think 85% of the fan base would go <gasps> really <laughs> oh, God, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And then just, we, and then I, we would, I'm not even saying like that. That's the deal that makes this offseason good because it's not. This and is not and, at all where I'm going. But like, man, you trade KP with the intention to sign some max players. You end up with Julius Randle. And again, you said they didn't throw any money at old people. Uh, what's the average annual value on Taj Gibson? Ten. Yeah, but the thing he they has a one. It's a one and one. Signing. It's not, a one and one with the team. One year deals. They, locked that, in, they locked them in for two years. Wrong. They're, that, those that, are, they're all one year with a second year team option. Oh, true, true, true. They're true. all second year team option. You're right. I forgot that. My bad. I mean, Ten million to Taj yeah. Gibson. So Taj Gibson could, by the Knicks' so choice, bomb. be on or off the team next year. By the team's choice. Yes. Now, now those guys are not tradable until December fifteenth. I apologize to the Knicks. Based off of the rules of the NBA, like you can't trade the guys you just signed until mid December. So that, like you said, Duff, that did take away their flexibility for the next three months or the last week, whatever you want to say. But by the end of this year, they have full flexibility again. That like, this is not old Knicks yet. They they have a chance to make horrible mistakes now moving forward. But for now, they are still in a place of flexibility. It just didn't get much better. But like, like this is another thing, Frank. I want to ask you this because we didn't talk about it. Me and Duff did it a little bit. I also talked about it on Twitter Live last week. 
Like the Knicks were the worst team in the league last year. They were the 14th team or 15th team. What how many teams in the conference? 15? 15th team in the Eastern Conference. They're the worst team in the league. If they don't go from 15 to 10 in the conference, from 10 to 7 in the conference, like do they ever even have the chance of being what the Clippers and Nets just were? Like does this team at least put them from an F to a D plus to a C minus to a C? Like does this put them in that direction? So like, I know this shouldn't factor in, but it's gonna like the the tortured fandom that I am of like Knicks and Mets. Like it kind of all just fades into one big pile of shit, honestly. <laughs> and it, it definitely lends itself to pessimism, right? At this point in my Knicks fandom, the only thing that's gonna save them is is like a LeBron James. You know, like I disagree. I think I think the but look. You, you, that's the mindset that has gotten the Knicks to this point. Like, there's, don't bank on a quick fix. Like, you have to do things smart. That's that not even. A, that's not. That's not a quick fix. If LeBron was a quick fix, it would happen more often. That's what. No, I call because it. there's you only want... one LeBron. Like the Lakers that, got the quick fix. That's that's a generation. No, but not even. You're saying you're saying LeBron a, a isn't one getting in a million. LeBron. You're yeah, saying I'm a one in a million guy. The Knicks, yeah, the only way the Knicks are ever going to be good is the one in a million. They draft the guy who turns out to be the fucking goat of all Oh, time. I see what you're saying. Besides that, like, the dysfunction that is the Knicks will always erode what they have and what they can do or what they potentially can achieve with some team. Like, they need a guy who's going to be just, you know, the, that next level for them. That's and that's what? how my pessimistic mind works about it. And, like, I could say all this, and at the same time, like, I, the R.J. Barrett pick, like, if, if I'm – you know, the GM of the Knicks and I'm sitting at the three spot, that's exactly who I'm taking. You know what I mean? Like, but man, I've seen it go wrong so many times and I'll, I'll, I'll stick to the pessimism with the Knicks. One, one note on all the money they handed out, like the thing about Taj Gibson getting like 10 million and Reggie Bullock getting 10 million. They had to hit the cap floor. They're barely above it by like a million dollars. So I get why they did it, especially like they hand out, more money than Taj Gibson or Reggie Bullock is worth, obviously. But that was to Pete's point, which I forgot, is that they, they're all club options for the second year. Yeah. Even with, like, Portis like, and whatever. To my point about that, right, like, the, the, like I mean, as a fan, it, it doesn't matter as much, right? But, like, definitely perception of your team and, you know, of fans of a team. Like, Knicks fans and the Knicks themselves right now are getting dumped on by the rest of the league. Like it's not enjoyable to be a Knicks fan right now. But yeah, how, right. how so could let me you let me let me. It's so hard. I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm not trying to riddle. It's some, embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Like I, I'll, I'm. I'm sorry that I'm stepping over you right now, but I just want to finish this point. It's embarrassing that such a big market team that, like you said, is in every rumor for a fucking reason, and they can't pull anything off. No positives ever. Their right. their big signing, what's supposed to be butts and seats next year, Julius Randall, like. He's a good piece, but man, I'm sorry. It's just not doing it for me. It's but, not moving the needle. So we will see the power of the Knicks if this happens. If Julius Randle averages 20 and 10, which is very possible, he averaged 20 and 9 last year. You see him, he, he'd probably get more opportunities. He's a year older, whatever. If he averages 20 and 10 next year and the Knicks aren't the worst team in the league, those two things are possible, right? Like they don't they don't need to be the four seed. They don't need to be uh 20 even, is lofty. And, <laughs> what do you say? Twenty is lofty. 
He averaged 20 well, last year, him, dude. I mean, he did. Yeah, yeah, fine. He fine, averaged fine. 20 points last year. He averaged 20 points and nine rebounds last year with three assists. Like, I guess he could average so more, actually, power, with Andy Davis not taking shots from him. But. Right. The power of the Knicks will put Julius Randle in all-star consideration if he averages 20 and 10 next year. That is the power of the Knicks. And I'm not saying Some that's good or bad, but it's true. David, freaking Derek Lee. Derek Lee? What the hell's his name? What am I? David Lee. David, David Lee, Lee was an all star for the Knicks because he averaged double double on a bad team. Like, that's the power of the Knicks. I don't know if that's good power or, or bad power. With great power becomes great responsibility. I just watched Spider Man earlier today. Like, I don't know if they can handle it. I don't know if they have the uh, level of responsibility, but that's the power of the Knicks. And is there a chance that getting this Tosh Gibbs in, getting Bobby Portis, getting Julius Randle, letting Knox and RJ Barrett play a little bit, letting Dennis Smith play a little bit, Mitchell Robinson is a guy. Almost people everywhere really like, uh, not just Knicks fans. Like, if they become a 32-win team and a team that fights every night, like the Nets did when they weren't making the playoffs, like the Sixers did before that process led to the playoffs, like, if they become a team that fights every night and you don't want to go in and party before the game, but you're going to wait until after the game to party in New York City, like, that is going to be a big step for them. Am I crazy to say that? Like, am I being too much of an optimist here? Like, that is all they need to do this year. Play hard, be competitive enough to be in games, not even if they win, like, even if they lose most of them. That is the step they need to take. And they haven't taken that step in the past five years. Haven't gotten close to it. But it, I mean, a part that's definitely partially of, like, what people were saying about them last year. Like, oh, you know, they don't really have a chance, but, like, at least they play hard. Like, But they didn't you know, play hard like, last year. I mean, they did for the first half of games, you know? <laughs> But like I don't know, I, I just I, I just don't see it. Like the two of you, it's been the, the same for the past ten years. Like all of a sudden, it changes in one off season. And I, the two of you have you the both of you. I'll give you guys both up right now. When we were in college, Duffy, you watched way more Sixers games when they were freaking terrible than any human being should. Frank, you watched more Nets games when they were terrible and had no hope and had no draft picks than any regular human being should. And those teams are now the top four teams in the Eastern Conference because they had a coach who made them play hard, who demanded that they played hard. And even though they got out-talented by every team in the league almost every single night, they led slow and steady over the course of three years to a team of respectability, to a team that developed talent, to guys like Joe Harris, to guys like... um, I'm thinking on the Sixers. Like, what's my... uh, I I I I lost my thought there. But you like that matters. It gets you yeah, there. But to they your ate point, shit for so point, many years. To your point, they, and they were just they were setting records, like record number of losses. Like well, that's I'm, how bad it was. Knicks fans aren't like ready for that. That's you're you're like too eager. There's no patience. But they just because, had. Like, there's a they, dif- there's a difference between sucking and trying to be good, and sucking with the intention to suck. So right. you can one day be good. Which is my point of this year. Their intention is to not suck. Last year, their whole intention was tank for Zion Williamson. Every single game but when they the, lost. The team was yeah, bad but the enough. Sixers did that for five years. We're just going to tank for the top talent. That's what we're going to do. And, and they did. hit on some of them, and I they hate, still I kept hate, sucking. I hate to tell you this, Pete, but the team last year was good enough to try as hard as they possibly can and still wind up being the 30th team in the NBA. And they, But they didn't try as hard as they could. They did. I'm saying so. So so. Why all of a sudden, one year to the next, they do? Because they have four professional NBA players on their team now that they didn't have last year. Who that when Kevin Knox is like, wow, why am I not getting minutes? Oh, because Bobby Portis and Reggie Bullock are better than you, and you're not playing hard on defense. Like if that happens, that can lead to positive outcomes. 
you are the definition of an optimist, my friend. I guess I am, but like those are the steps that are ahead of me. And if they don't you're take like nitpicking, the, if you're, they you're don't take those steps, like, then what are they doing? You're nitpicking for like intangibles. Like th- that doesn't matter. Like there were so many garbage guys that went through the Philly system that were there was like you're talking trying to build like a culture and all that stuff. Like I get it, but the culture for the Sixers, it, it, it was just like we're gonna suck. Like none of you mean anything to us. And we're just going to try and get players better than you. Well, so, and then we're going to move you for picks. Like that's what they did for um, with the fucking dude with three names. Carter uh, Williams. That's the one. Like Tony Routens, KJ McDaniel's, like fucking Nick Stauskas. Like that's what it was. Like don't don't you're like that's trying fair. to glorify no, the Sixers. It. It the Sixers process is different. That's I shouldn't honestly use that example. I, you'll only use it because you watched it day in day out. The next I get example, what you're saying, but like you're you're like romanticized. Like, the Sixers ask, was, like we need Bab on the podcast to tell you like he he was like ripping his guts out those years. Yeah, but the Sixers one's a bad example. I'll, I'll admit that. But the Nets example, those guys are are a part of the team. Like Joe Harris is a part of the team now. Like Ronda Hollis Jefferson just didn't get re-signed, but like Spencer Dinwiddie, like guys like Harris Levert and Jared Allen, who their first year in the league they weren't helping them win games. Second year yeah, in the league, they were in the league. They are helping position. them win games. They were in a unique position where they didn't have their own draft picks for like five straight years, so they could try to win, and it like and it would not affect them in any way because it would just kind of screw over the team they traded the picks to. So, so are you saying and, and, are you and saying any that, young players that came in they were kind of married to because like you said they didn't even have their own picks to replace them with. So are you saying the Knicks should go into the season with the intention of being the worst team in the league again and having a 14% chance at the one pick? Is that what you're well, saying? Whether, Pete, whether you think so or not, that's already what their intention is. I, I, I mean, we will see when they actually start playing basketball games, but I don't believe that's their intention anymore. I mean, sure, go ahead, but, like, that's what they should do. That's what they should do. I mean, we just talked about how, how much the tank is actually not as effective as we make it out no, to No, no, no. At a certain point, at a certain point, like, the Clippers got young players to build around and then filled in veterans around them. Like, and the Clippers the also didn't tank, players, though, at like, all. They like, they had Chris Paul the and Blake Griffin and then traded them and had a nice team. Like they never got to the worst team in the league. Well, that was like a unique like, situation where, where well, they had GMs who were, who were desperate, like just to, just to get, t- they got a lot of solid guys from Houston. They got solid guys from Detroit, but that was like, Maury was, is hell bent on always getting stars. And Stan Van Gundy was like, tr- that trade was like, hopefully to save his job, which he lost anyway. Right. So like, those are two completely unique situations. I mean, those can pop up. Sure. But, like, the Knicks, they don't have any stars. Like, there's no starting point for them. They don't have any stars on the team. Nope. Yeah. The Nets didn't have any draft picks. Like, like honestly, and- the most, the most like, uh, apps situation that you said wasn't, it's, it, like, honestly, is the Sixers because they have all their own draft picks moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even, I mean- like, even so, I break that, that process, it, 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 it's it, what you're saying. It would already have to gone underway right like we'll start with the draft of last year and their first good move would have been taking mitchell in the second round right but like let's get 100 realistic about that right mitch is a high floor player not necessarily a high ceiling player very well we could have seen last year is what mitchell robinson is and i'm not saying that's what i expect because i don't i think he's more than that but it's very possible. Right. No, it's you're right. I, there's a really strong chance that I'm being too optimistic. There's a really strong, strong chance that if I listen to this podcast in eight months, I'm going to be like, wow, 
Yeah, my hopes are a little too high watching Nick's summer league team, I guess. You know, like, that's very possible. I'm not trying to say I'm definitely right on the ball here, but I am saying that those are the steps that need to be taken, and whether they're taking them or not, that's what I feel should happen this year. Uh, and it may not be the big, big enough step that I would hope, but if it is a step in that direction, then they are doing the thing they're supposed to be doing. And they should not be saying the entire season, Knicks fans should not be watching every game this entire season saying, tank for Cole Anthony. Like, that is not the goal right now. It should not be the goal. Because if that continues to be the goal, they will be the Orlando Magic at best. Because they're not yeah, they're not guaranteed no, the best odds at Orlando one pick. Orlando Magic were trying to be good and kept shooting themselves in the foot with, like, bad contracts, like, they need to trade for the bad contracts and attach assets. So, like the the Nets set the blueprint for this. Yep. They have, need to like have a combination of getting like their own high draft pick and then trading for other like taking on bad salary to get other first round picks. Like there's a blueprint for this. There's, reclamation you to, projects. You just yeah, you just have to like let it play out. It yeah. it takes time. It's not going to change over one season or one draft. Like yeah, you, yeah you absolutely. Need to, get pieces like they have no pieces they have i mean that's not fair they have rj barrett they have mitchell robinson they have kevin knox they have all their own picks plus some dallas picks like they're not in a horrible situation for a rebuilding team you just have to show patience it's not going to flip in eight months yeah the last thing i'm going to say about this is out of all the phoenix suns draft picks how many times have they been in the lottery like every single year for the past like seven or whatever it is right their best pick that they made is the like 14th pick 13th, 13th pick, pick. I think. Devin and they're a dog shit franchise. Like and they're the trash franchise. So and like you they're talk all their new Knicks. You have faith in these guys. Like I'm Mills just, and Perry. Like all, this is your chance. All of their picks in the four spot, in the five spot. DeAndre and we'll see what happens with him. Dragon Bender, Alex Who you Len, loved. Josh, Who you loved. Josh Jackson. Who you loved? Those guys mean nothing to the Suns. So if the Knicks continue to get three and four picks, which is very likely with the new odds of the lottery, they could just continue to fucking spin the wheel on. Not good lottery picks. Yeah, but like, also, but like those are like no brainer picks. Like they can also hit on picks. <laughs> like Dragon Dragon Bender and 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 Josh Jackson were like questionable pick, questionable picks at best at the time. Josh, uh, Josh Jackson Bender less definitely so. was. Jack, Josh Jackson was not. Yeah, Josh Jackson wasn't. But Bender was. Len I mean, was. was. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, we, maybe we definitely... because you like guys who can. He never could, but out of college, he definitely was top five prospect. Yeah, for sure. I mean, well, we got we got really long winded on this Nick stuff as it usually happens here. Well, um, I what? didn't. I haven't come on here for a while, and I had to just. I mean, you you kind of lend credence to, but I, I had to air some shit out, man. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. No, I, 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 up I embarrassed. I got one quick question before we wrap up, and Pete, I primed this for you uh, when we talked earlier today. I'm just curious what you guys will think, and especially Frank. So the way Kawhi moved so quietly about orchestrating this, like where he's going to go with the Clippers and what they needed to do to get him and trading for Paul George. And it turns out that the Lakers had no idea that that Paul George was even on the market for something like this. Um, And he was pseudo on the market because the Thunder actually went to the Raptors first and tried to package uh, Westbrook and George together. So they get off Westbrook's contract and then they get, Paul George to Kawhi Leonard and maybe he stays in Toronto. Um, But the, the Raptors wouldn't do it. The deal falls through for whatever reason. Then after this, all this happens, the Lakers admit they had no idea about George being on the block. So if you guys are the Lakers GM and you hear Paul George is on the block, Kawhi's going to go where Paul George goes. And right now 
you know, you're, you're on the clock right now. I'm the Thunder. I'm Sam Presti. I'm calling you guys. I say, we will trade you Paul George for LeBron James. And then you guys get Kawhi as a, a you know, by whatever logic. Yes. Do you trade yes. LeBron James if you're the Lakers to the yes. Thunder to get yes. Paul George and Kawhi? Yes. 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 No, yes. so no doubt in your mind, Frank, you just saying yes. Kawhi Leonard at the age of 29? I don't even think he's that old. Right, I think so he's like 28, or maybe he is 29. Either way, prime Kawhi versus not prime LeBron. Yeah, give me Kawhi. He give just me. turned 28. Pete, what do you think? I think the answer is simple. And I believe it is the Lakers do not trade LeBron James, and there's no real discussion to it. Now, I, Frank, I'm on your side. I say do the deal. Like, just be cold-blooded about it. Essentially, if this gets you the dude, best player in the world plus Paul George, and, yeah, and you it, still have Anthony Think Davis. about it like this, Pete. Say Kawhi Leonard was just on the Thunder. It's essentially them saying, hey, you want Kawhi Leonard and Paul George for LeBron James? You, you say no to that? No, I'm I'm not saying no to that player swap. I think that team with PG and Leonard is a better team. I think you'd rather have those two guys instead of 34-year-old LeBron or 33-year-old LeBron, whatever he is. But Pete's saying I am, it's like a taboo. It's I like am something you simply shouldn't do. I'm saying the Lakers just do not trade LeBron James in any universe that exists in our planet or universes, whatever the hell it is. Like I just don't think there is even a question oh, I know that the Lakers is the right move. He's saying Rob Palenka ain't got no ball. Yeah, I'm saying that is exactly <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. I'm saying Rob yeah, Palenka. Probably, it probably wouldn't happen. Rob Palenka is more said, likely. He said if I was the GM. Yeah. A hundred and fifty percent yes, and uh, then ten times again yes after, and then even if Kawhi Leonard turns out to be a bum for the rest of his career, still yes. I, I actually think if you're the Thunder, like the reason they didn't go to the to the Lakers, like if if I'm the Thunder, I don't do that trade. Because I'm not going to get as many picks back because they already traded all of them to get Anthony Davis. So you can't trade picks in consecutive years. They would have to, and you can't trade them like after a certain number of years, whether it's like I think it's seven. So and they, like, like it, it would have been impossible. I'm just thinking like straight up, would you have done that? Because then you can flip LeBron to wherever he wants to go for someone else's like. Young like God. seven picks. Let's you know? also just say that, like, there was, Le- and if, Le- if LeBron that happens, James is like, more. There's a, Le- if that tra- <laughs> hold on, hold on. If that uh. trade happens, like, there's a serious chance LeBron is like, all right, fuck this, I'm going to the Knicks, and then the Knicks just trade everything to get him. The, LeBron James is more likely to retire than to play for the Thunder, and Rob Polinka is more likely to hang out with Heath Ledger in present day than to trade LeBron James. Like that's. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's how I feel right. about it. Like it's not like, like it's just not even a conversation that ever exists. Like the the Lakers don't even have the conversation. Like you don't make your you don't sign LeBron James in the trade. See, I don't like, understand it don't from do that it. perspective. Like you just don't, I don't do it. Why not? Because yo people like people will just Kobe like, nah, fans are happy. Just, it just automatically won't, it won't you get half happen. your fan base back. You don't do it. It's not happening. But like. I mean, it's obviously it's different. It's a different sport, right? But like, real quick, compared to baseball, people are talking about Max Scherzer being on, being on the you know, tree wire. Guy's been the best pitcher in baseball over the last ten years. I don't care what he says about Clayton Kershaw. Max Scherzer is a better pitcher. Um, the fact that a guy like that's on the block, or even rumored to be on the block, 
No, it's just not. It's not even. It's not even. It's not even the same planet, dude. It's not even the same realm of things that happen in real life. Like, there's one. It's not in the same realm because one baseball player doesn't make the same difference as one basketball. Exactly. Like it's not. And almost like like if Tom Brady was on the block, dude. Max Scherzer has been the best pitcher in in baseball, right, on the Nationals, and they haven't won a playoff series. Like it. It's not the same universe. I I, 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 again, I'm saying, but I'm just saying. LeBron's on the Lakers. They didn't get the playoffs because he missed 30 games. I know. I'm just fucking with you. The (laughs) the fact that a player of that caliber, right, can be traded is is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Max Scherzer can clean LeBron James' shoes on his way to the locker room. Like, come on. Let's be honest here. Mm, I'm not not from a not from a talent standpoint at your particular craft but from a impact on your sport your league your team standpoint he can sure. literally he can carry sure. lebron, LeBron james LeBron's balls a pop icon uh, and max scherzer is a fucking alternative rock band that plays at one spot in the jersey shore like that come on yeah except he's the best pitcher and it, and he's gonna and like it, <laughs> yeah it, it, it frank stop acting like they're on the same planet like i'm not i'm not at all acting like they're on the same my point is simply that just because a player is so good, I, I don't think it means like they can't be. But I know your point is that LeBron's too good, too big. And he, All right, yeah. my, my other question before we go is, this is Jimmy Butler's fourth team in two years. What's up with that guy? I feel like we've been talking about it for a while. I right. could go into a whole thing yeah. here that me and Duff went uh, when we talked about on a, a phone our phone ride as we were driving back home uh, on a, a Sunday scary uh, afternoon. Um, Jimmy Butler may be a jerk. He may act like a dick from time to time, but his intentions with the Timberwolves I completely agree with. Like he looking in the mirror says, "This team stunk. I came here, brought them to the playoffs, and they decided to pay the twenty year old who hasn't done anything." Uh, get me out of here. He went to the Sixers. Joel Embiid was hurt, sick, and whatever, crying. Ben Simmons wouldn't take a jump shot. Tobias Harris was okay at best. He's like, I'm the best player on the team. Ah, they're going to choose Tobias Harris over me? Get me the hell out of here. That like He may be a prick, but I don't think he's always wrong about what he wants, if that makes sense. I'd agree with that 100%. <laughs> like, yeah, I think he, that's fair. But at the same time, I say that, I actually, I actually like the Sixers lineup with, uh, with Richards. I really do. Yeah, well, Richardson's a nice piece. I think Sixers fans are going to fall in love with him. By the way, guys, we, yeah. we got to go. We got to say goodbye right now. I think maybe we do have enough uh, topics to talk about for another NBA podcast in the next week or two. I think we could I think we could figure it out. We talked a lot today about a lot of things. We're getting pretty Rusk long. Russ gets traded to Orlando. Russ, yeah, right. When Russ gets traded next week, we'll be back. <laughs> maybe we'll just come back and have fun with it and shoot, shoot from the hip. Maybe we'll go live on Twitter, take questions like, there's a lot of stuff we can talk about for a long time, but we're like an hour and a half in, so uh, hey. maybe we should say our last uh, our last words here. So uh, Duff, Frank, whoever wants to go first, I don't care. Any summer leagues, uh, summer league takes last opinions for the podcast today? Uh, I'll go first because I'll be I'll be quick with it. Uh, summer league, no, uh, I'm not going to buy too much into it. I've done it in the past. I don't care about it anymore. Um. It's fun to watch the young guys play. That's all I'll say. Zion, uh, big dude, cool. Um, but, man, all I want to happen is Russ to get traded to Phoenix. Phoenix as an organization to get traded to Seattle. That, I would drop the Knicks and become a Super Suns fan. How that? That's my final thought. Definitely. Make it happen. Make it happen. My, my final thought would be... I. I always get so excited for summer league every year. And then I watch the games and it's really just like 
glorified AAU. Yep. Um, but I still watch them. So I, I don't know. I'm just a psycho, I guess. Um, but I, yeah, like you, I don't put too much stock in it. My favorite thing about it is um, when the jump is they host it like on site while games are going on in the background uh, and they get some cool guests. So David Griffin was on today and he was like trying to recruit Vince Carter live on air. That was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> so that that's that's what I like about it. It's like a big NBA convention. There's some, like some cool, fun little stories like that that pop up. That's what mostly I enjoy of it. Oh, that's good. It has been really fun. And they also had Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, he had a great line to recruit Vince Carter. He was talking about how he recruited, uh, helped recruit Kyrie, and he was like all hyped up on the Nets and how they're the real team in New York and yada yada. And then Rachel Nickel goes, all right, Spencer, give your uh, your pitch to Vince Carter now since you're this big recruiter guy. He goes, all right, Vince, this team's pretty good, you know? I think right now we're half good, but we need to be half amazing. Come join the Nets. Oh my God, that's Boom. he's got a sign. Mike I don't know dropped. how he did sign right there. Mike drop by Spencer Dinwiddie. That's what I loved so much about summer league right there. Off your off your take there, Duff. But also, I'll take another take from you. I'm saying take a lot. Carson Edwards, thirtieth pick. Yes. People sleep because he's too small. Guy can play, and yes, he, uh, he makes real Polished. real NBA shots. He can shoot off the dribble. He may be a little smaller, but he's a bully. He's strong. He got hops. And when uh, you look at guys who go in the 12 range or the 8 to 15 range and they have this high, quote, upside, and you sleep on little shorty Carson Edwards, and then you realize two years later that he's better than all of them and has a longer career than all of them, you're like, damn, why are we so stuck in this NBA draft group thing and we won't take the guys who we think are the best at basketball? Shout out to Carson. He's Edwards. got a he's got a legit NBA skill right now. His NBA shooting off the dribble from deep range, catch would, and shoot. He's shifty. Like I don't know why that guy couldn't be Kemba Walker. I would venture to say that he is, uh, like one of the three most polished players in the draft. Like, not not so much of a rookie lull for my man. I think he's going to come out and ball right away. Love it. All right, yo. Like, this is fun. This was a blast. Uh, hopefully, y'all enjoyed. If you're still hanging around, hour and a half in, we had so much fun. We missed having Frank on. He's he's been MIA for a, a week or two. Um, but Duff, Frank, and me, Pete, we really appreciate you guys coming in to listen to the SBNY podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Pete Kennedy Two Ys at NBA underscore Outsiders at Sportblog NYC. Hit us on iTunes Apple Podcast app with a rating and review. Duff, Frank, my guys, thank you. Everybody else, have a great day.